All right. Hey, and welcome to everybody here in the building and on the patio and online. And I get so excited we get to be together. Um, by the way, uh, I am really excited about that children's area that we have. And uh, we're going to do a ribbon cutting at the end. Yeah, let's, let's cheer for that. Um, at the end of a service, I want to do a ribbon cutting, uh, which will really, really be fun. But if you are wondering, hey, I want to go see that myself, there's an easy way to do it. Volunteer. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. You could be in there all you want. Uh, my, uh, my granddaughter, Eleni, uh, she got to go in. Uh, it wasn't quite done. And she goes, Papa, when I come out next summer, can I be in there? Can I work and take care of the kids? Uh, and so she's already planning on it, which would be really, really cool uh, to be a part of that. Yesterday uh, was a day that I would definitely say was not necessary. Well, wasn't a celebration but it was a commemoration of what occurred 20 years ago when evil became so real, so visible, so apparent. But something else happened on 9-11 20 years ago. We also began to understand who the real heroes are. It, it, it was the people, the men and women that ran into the devastation, that ran into the danger. And many of them lost their lives as they tried to save others, and many of them suffered for years the consequences of the dust and all the other things that they were exposed to. And uh, I hope that you and I would say we'll never forget who the real heroes are. Now, I know that all of you who are with us today who are first responders do this as a calling, and we appreciate it. I also know that many of you who are first responders would say to me, well, on 9-11, it's not about me, it's about, it's about the others that, that did, the New York uh, and other places that did risk themselves. But I also know all of you who are first responders are a part of a tight-knit community who know what it means to serve others and run into the danger, not away from it. To run to the problem and not from it. So I'm gonna ask you to do something today. If you're a first responder, I'm gonna ask you in a moment to stand in, in a movement of solidarity in honor of all of those on 9-11 who did, who did do in a very real way what you're trained to do, what you're called to do. And so we wanna have that as a moment of our saying, we remember, we care, and we know who the heroes are. So if you're a first responder right now, would you right now stand in solidarity to those who did, who did do that. Yeah. And uh, for all of you who are standing, we do Thank you for what you do, but I wanna pray right now. Father, we pray that you would uh, never let us forget who the real heroes are. Uh, the men and women who are standing here are because they've answered a calling and uh, they stand in solidarity for those that, that ran into a situation that no one thought could ever occur or saw coming in any way, shape or form. And Lord, we won't forget. We won't forget there's evil, but we also praise you there's good. 
We won't forget the vile things that people do, but we thank you for the heroes that, that seek to make a difference. Uh, and so, Lord, for each and every one of those who gave their lives, we pray for their families today. For those who were lost as victims, we pray for their families today. And I pray, Lord, that we would also be a country that on moments like this would realize it's more important to come together than be torn apart. That there would be a desire for unity, a desire to hold on to what's important. And I pray that moments like 9-11 will remind us of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, you guys. There's a question that we very often get faced with. I, I can't imagine you haven't had a point in your life by now that you haven't asked that question. And it's the question, why? When we think about 9-11, we ask the question, why? Why? And then uh, what occurs is we begin to have other individual times we ask that question. Uh, it may be, by the way, that you're faced with wondering why am I still single? And I really, really planned at this point in my life that I would be with somebody else, but it hasn't occurred. Uh, or a big question why comes when a couple can't have a child. And uh, I've sat with couples and prayed with couples who said, but we think we'd be great parents. And let me just say this, in many, many, many occasions, I know that couple and I know they'd be great parents. Anybody else know couples that would be great parents? And you go, why? And then not to be mean, I know some people who've had children and they, don't, they shouldn't be parents. And uh, you begin to wonder, why? Why? Or maybe it's sickness. Uh, this COVID season, a lot of people have asked why. Why did they get it and I didn't? Why is theirs so bad and mine's not? Or mine is. Why? And uh, by the way, that disease question has raised a lot of whys for a lot of people in a lot of occasions. Uh, Kathy and Tim Roberts. Tim is our head of creative arts and Kathy is wife. I've known Kathy since she was in high school. She loves the Lord. Oh, she loves God. And they were faced with a really big why. And uh, I want you to get an idea of what she wrestled through. So in January of 2020, um, we were celebrating Tim and Josiah's birthday. And we noticed that Ella was really pale and she was not herself. Um, and her throat was hurting. So we took her to the doctor right before we were gonna go celebrate. And um, the doctor said she has strep throat. And um, I asked, does she look a little pale to you? And she said, she does, let's, let's get her a blood test. It wasn't until 11.30 that night that we got woken up by a call. And um, it's kind of like everyone's worst nightmare to get woken up by a call like this. The person on the other end said, um, we don't want you to panic, but um, we, need to get, we need you to get um, Ella to the hospital right away. Um, I woke her up and I told her we're going on a crazy adventure. It's 11.30 at night and we're driving and we got there and they immediately had to um, start an IV. 
they uh, started doing a transfusion, a blood transfusion, which is another scary thing. And the whole night is kind of a blur, but I remember the next morning, um, a doctor came in and said, I had a chance to look at her blood under the microscope and it's sheets and sheets of unhealthy cells and she has leukemia. And um, I lost it just like I am. And um, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty tough mom. I don't, I don't cry very often, but um, this is overwhelming. Ella at the time was three. At that time, I just pictured all of the ugliness of cancer happening to my daughter. Um, and I just thought, that's not fair. Like, she's the coolest girl. Everybody loves her. Um, she's the life of the party and she makes everybody laugh. And no, this is not okay. Um, so then in, in March, um, Tim noticed that my other daughter, Ava, um, who was 11 at the time, um, had a lump in her throat. And we took her to the doctor and questions were popping up everywhere. What is it? We don't know. Test after test, we still don't know. Most likely it's lymphoma, which is another cancer for another daughter within two months of each other. Why? What's wrong? What are we doing? What's, do, why is this happening? I've been a Christian for 20 years. I grew up going to church. I trust the Lord. I know that he is good. I wondered how this could be. So after finding out that I might have a second daughter with cancer, my conversations with God got a little bit more desperate. Um, it just left me asking why. And I remember going through that and when you have one child who's sick, you're gonna say why. And then there's two. And uh, you ask, did I do something? Uh, have I put our children in that situation? So many people in the moment of sickness begin to ask why. We want the miracle. But what we have to realize is very often in the midst of needing that miracle, it comes in the midst of a lot of, a lot of deep, deep-seated questions that say why. A lot of very intense time of praying. Uh, in John chapter 11, before Jesus would do the seventh sign in the book of John, John tells us of seven signs Jesus did that showed beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the chosen one of God, that he was the Messiah. In the midst of that section is some big why moments. Uh, in John 11 verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped her, his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. By the way, you probably didn't miss that three times in those two verses, it says he was sick. I think because most of us know the outcome, most of us know the miracle that would occur, we might miss the pain of the moment, uh, the time of heartache, the tension that was there. And so in the midst of that time, when he's this sick and his health is uh, going downhill in a way that it's clear he could die, there's hope. 
They know Jesus. They love Jesus. And don't miss this. They know where Jesus is. So they know that he got the message. They know that he heard about the situation. So as they're sitting there watching him begin to die, they're realizing Jesus knows, Jesus heard, Jesus can change it all. And where is he? Why isn't he here? Why hasn't he come more quickly? See, I I want you to know that God does miracles, but very often the miracle for most of us may be in the midst of the why to begin to wrestle through. How does our faith hold us up during this time? You know, sometimes people ask, well, why did this occur? And then we sometimes act like, well, it only occurs to bad people. See, I think sometimes we, why do, why do bad things happen to good people is one of those why questions we get. So let me just get it out there. Bad things happen to good people. That's something you and I need to never let go of. God never promised that based on your being good or bad would determine whether you get sick or don't get sick, right? Whether you you get the promotion or don't get the promotion. By the way, how many of you know bad people who got a promotion? Yeah, yeah. And you know what we need to understand is God never said this world is going to make sense in such a way that basically you do enough good, you get enough good back. That, by the way, is that teaching of karma, which isn't even true. Yet so many people hold on to it. But God said this. God said, even my son suffered. There was no one who was more good than Jesus. He was all good and he would suffer. So God had one son without sin, but he has no children without sorrow. And you and I will go through times of sorrow. We'll go through times of heartache. And it's not based on being good or bad. It's just based on living in a sinful world that, by the way, God doesn't even want us to really be a part of. And so we can understand that and hold on to that. By the way, I've learned a lesson that I bring up all the time when it comes to the idea of miracles, and that's this. It's that second truth I don't want you to miss. The first truth is bad things happen to good people. The second is for a miracle to occur, there's got to be a problem. Uh, There's not ever going to be a healing without a sickness, right? There's not going to ever be a time that God brings provision It's miraculous unless you had an intense need. Uh, And then there's this promise from God in the midst of it all that I hang on to and quote all the time in Ecclesiastes 3.11 where it says, yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. By the way, I I read that kind of quick. Yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So we don't always understand God. We don't always understand what he's doing. We don't understand sometimes why he doesn't come through on certain things, why the miracle we're seeking doesn't happen. But one thing God does do that is miraculous is God makes everything beautiful in its own time. Uh, The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and the word everything in Hebrew actually means, are you ready? Everything. Now, are you ready for that? Every single thing God will somehow make beautiful. And you gotta wait a minute, Lord. There's a lot of ugly. 
There's a lot of ugly out there. And yet you're going to make even that beautiful? And the word, uh, by the way, everything does mean this. It actually means uh, to become beautiful, to decorate, to make right. So God will take the worst thing ever and decorate it in such a way that it becomes powerful and meaningful and incredible. Uh, It becomes a joy. It becomes something that you go, wait a minute, there's no way anything good can come from this and God makes good things come from it. That's the miracle. Uh, And I've watched God do that over and over. I believe it so strongly. That whenever something bad's happening, I actually will stop and say, Lord, I cannot wait to see what you do with this one. Because I don't see how you're going to do this one. And God's, God's like, I'll show you. And he does. I may not have always seen someone heal, but I've seen good things come. My uh, father uh, got a disease called Crutchfield-Jacobs disease. It's very rare. Your brain begins to waste away. And he suffered for 18 months, 18 months of suffering. At the very end, they had to put him in a chemically induced coma so that he would not be in such extreme pain. And I remember thinking, God, either heal him or take him because I can't see any good from him suffering. But I want to tell you, God did something shocking. He made good come. And you might say, really? And how could that be? And here's the answer. It was so clear. We got a front row seat of watching a really good marriage. My mom was a rock. My mom loved him unconditionally. My mom served him and stayed by his side. And my mom didn't buckle. She cried. She had hard times. But she would not not be there for him. And I got to watch my mom in that moment. My sons got to watch my mom show that kind of love. And boy, I'll tell you what, the glory of God was there. Uh, And and we were changed for the better because of her. In that moment, God made something beautiful out of that. And I want you to know that that's what God does. And so in Lazarus' case, he's sick. And Jesus is about to take us into a moment where we begin to get some answers to the whys. See, the whys are going to be there. Why God? Why God? Why God? And God wants to have you ask that. He wants you to be honest about it. He wants you to be with him in it. But notice what happens in verse 4 of John 11. It says, but when Jesus heard this, he heard that Lazarus was sick. He said, the sickness is not to end in death, but... For the glory of God, and there's two words that I don't want you to miss. So that. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. So that. Uh, Whenever you study the Bible, there are certain words you ought to underline or circle or or highlight, whatever you do. Uh, And I do all that. You always ought to look for the word because. Because that's powerful. Uh, therefore is always something you need to ask, what's therefore, therefore? And then there's these two words, so that. 
When I'm reading scripture and I see the so that, I stop because God's about to give you a so that teaching, a so that moment, a so that, and, and an understanding that you have like an aha, now I understand God better. And so when you and I are studying scripture and you see so that, it begins to give us an answer that we can hold on to when the whys are there. We may not understand the why completely, but we can begin to see the so that. And Jesus Jesus does something. Jesus said, in the midst of the sickness that Lazarus is experiencing, this is all so that the Son of God may be glorified. It's going to be the seventh sign, the seventh great sign uh, in the book of John that will bring the disciples to a place where their faith will be rock solid. And so what happens in that moment is they begin to understand the so that. And sometimes that's all we're going to get, by the way. God, so that you can be glorified, so that you can be believed in, so you can be trusted. See, I want to say this. I believe after being a pastor since the 1970s, that's a lot of years, that, that the biggest miracles I've seen are not when the healing comes, but when it doesn't come and people's faith is stronger and their joy isn't taken. See, and, and so I believe in miracles. I believe in the healing. I believe in, in the deliverance. I believe in the provision. I believe in, in God interceding. I believe in divine appointments. But I also know when none of those things happen, I have watched many of you, this Crossroads family, your faith isn't dependent on the sign. It's dependent on Jesus. And see, that to me is the miracle. It's God being with you when you're brokenhearted. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that saving comes and that this, you won't be crushed. You still hold up. You still hang on. And we begin to experience that. Uh, that so that moment comes when God's comfort comes. Uh, and so in 2 Corinthians 1, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that, don't miss the so that, why does God comfort me? Why does God comfort you? So that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Um, for a lot of years, when I was early in my ministry, um, I would go and be with people who had lost a loved one, but I didn't know what it was like. I hadn't lost anybody. And then we did. And I found God's comfort in a powerful way. And then I found out that I was better with people after that. Uh, some of you know the greatest heartbreak of my life wasn't the death of loved ones. It was my oldest son walking away from the Lord. And I'll never forget when it happened. I, I went and met with the elders of the church so that they would know the heartbreak we were experiencing. But I also offered them. I said, uh, you know what? My oldest son's not walking with Jesus. And uh, if you want, I'll resign. And those men said, no, you won't. You won't. 
And uh, they said, you know what, Chuck, you're just now living life and experience heartbreak like a lot of people do. And you, you need to stay there. You need to serve even though your heart's breaking. You don't stop. It was probably not even a year later, I remember I was with two of the elders of CCV. And one of them said, do you remember when you offered to resign? And I said, yeah. He said, I'm so glad we didn't let you resign. You know why, Chuck? You're a way better pastor now. You, you really are. Why? Because I, I knew the pain and the agony and the hurt. And uh, it made me more empathetic. Um, I think I am a better pastor now. And it wasn't in perfection, it was in heartbreak. Isn't that interesting? It, it, it was in the moment of, of losing something and turning and saying, but I've got Jesus anyway. It was the so that God could be glorified, so that it was clear. That, that there's only one that we turn to in those moments who can truly help, and that's the Lord. So we begin to understand that one of the great things about miracles is very often we have a lot of whys in our life that we may not get a total answer to, but we do get the so that. And the so that is so that God can be glorified and so that our faith can grow and so that God's comfort can come. And that's when we start understanding something else that's miraculous. God's timing. See, it's interesting that Lazarus' sickness happens... They send to Jesus, knowing where he is, knowing he can make it in time. But he's not there. And in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 6, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now that's the part that you go, wait a minute. Why not hurry? Why not get there as fast as you can? Jesus, if you come, you can heal him. Later on in the story, Martha stands in front of Jesus and looks at him and says, if you had been here, you could have healed him. Uh, Mary will come later. And the first thing she says is those exact words. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, isn't it interesting? They probably said that over and over to each other. When Jesus comes, he can heal him. When Jesus comes, he can heal him. They had seen him do it over and over again. They had watched, watched people be rescued from that kind of pain, that kind of suffering. And so they believed that he could do it, and yet he didn't come. By the way, I, I think the, the thing about the story that I don't want you to miss is that both Martha and Mary still believed. Were they disappointed? Yes, they still believed. Were they heartbroken? Yes, they still believed. They didn't understand why he didn't get there sooner, but they still believed. They didn't stop believing in him. They didn't stop loving him. And they didn't, this is a big one, they didn't stop, stop believing he loved them. See, it's clear he loved them, Matter of fact, when they sent word uh, to him, they said, Lazarus, whom you love. They knew the love of God was real. They knew the love of Jesus was true. And they didn't let go of that. And so in my times of heartache and pain, I've sometimes actually said those words, I know you love me. Lord, I know you love me. By the way, God does love you. You might sometimes feel like, 
if I'm going through this, does God love me? The answer is, yeah, he does. He does. And, and that love from God is real. That love from God's true. And there's no doubt that, that Jesus can and will change everything. But his timing, that's what I don't want you to miss. He does, makes everything, that Ecclesiastes verse, he makes everything beautiful in its time. In its time. And so I watched the Lord do that. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the life of many other people. And we see it here in this story that Jesus' timing is going to be perfect. Uh, in John chapter 11, verse 7, it says that after he had said to his, or after this, he had said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again, after they had waited two days. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. Are you going there again? And Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Then he said, and after, or then he, uh, this he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go, and there's those words again, so that I may awaken him out of his sleep. And the disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, and here's those words again, so that you may believe. In other words, right now, you didn't understand why I waited. You didn't understand why we didn't go sooner. You guys don't understand that. You probably thought it was because I was afraid the Jews were going to attack me. That wasn't it. It was so that now that he has died, I can do something so your faith will be so true, so strong, that it'll carry you through the, the tougher times that are about to come. And Jesus said, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us go, also go, and I love Thomas here, so that we may die with him. By the way, I, I, I just think Thomas is so interesting to me uh, because it's like, well, he's gonna die, let's just go die too. But the timing of the Lord is so interesting. He said, you know what? When it's nighttime, you, you'll stumble if you walk around. So you need to wait for the daytime to do it. In other words, you need to do things in the right timing. You need to understand my timing. And there's a reason why I waited two days. And you didn't get it, but you will get it. It's so that your faith will be stronger. There's a reason why, Chuck, I didn't take your dad sooner. There's a reason why, you know, that you right now might be single and, and don't get it. Uh, there's a reason why. Uh, there's a reason why the couple didn't have the child. And we may not always know it, but there's a reason why. There's a reason why one person got COVID so bad and another didn't. God, God works. God moves. God always does in the end what's best. And so we may not always understand here in this life. I do believe when we get to heaven, we're going to get the answer to every single question. But you know what I do know is that God, God's timing is always right. And so there's that, so that moment. 
And what we need to do is believe. Keep believing, not let go. And again, maybe that's the greatest miracle of all, that our faith is not dependent on the miracle occurring or not occurring. Our faith isn't dependent on, on God doing things in the timing we choose. It's just trusting him and his love. John 11, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So he waited till he died, and he also waited till now he's been in the tomb for four days. Which meant he went through a, a, a time of being prepared. There was a whole process. And it says, Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews who had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha then said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I know that. She goes, even now, I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And so what we know is that in that moment, Martha was unwavering in her belief. Her faith was strong. She wasn't gonna quit. She wasn't gonna to say, I'm done she said, I know that if you had been here, it would have been different. I know whatever you ask now, God will do. But I know that one day we will all rise to be with you. By the way, did you catch those three things? Because you and I can have that, should have that. Lord, I know that you, you could do anything. I know even now you could do anything. And I also know that in the end, we'll be in heaven together. The greatest miracle of all is Jesus rose from the dead so that death was conquered and you and I can go to be with the Lord in heaven one day. You know, it seems like very often when someone who's a Christian dies, we ask, act like that was a, a, a defeat, almost like God failed. But you already know it's true. All of you who are Christians, deep down, you know it's true that when you shut your eyes on this earth, you're going to wake up in heaven. So you know that. I uh, was heard a, a, a Dr. Tony Campola tell about a funeral he was at. It was in an almost all black church. And what happened is that they had an open casket and the pastor came out and he said, this man was my friend. And there's a lot of things I didn't get to say to him I wish I could say. So I'm going to say them. And he walked down and went up to the casket. And just He turned his back on everybody else, but he's on a microphone. And he starts talking to the man in the casket, saying, you know, Ralph, I never told you. And he began to tell Ralph things and tell Ralph things and tell Ralph things. And he said, you know, Ralph, that's all I got to say. And he turned around and said, that's all I got to say to Ralph right now. So you know what? I don't have anything else to say. So he goes, Ralph. And he grabbed the top of the casket. He said, I just want to say one last thing. Good night. And he slammed it. And everybody jumped. They had never seen anything like that. And he looked out and he said, but you know what? Right now, Jesus just said good morning. You know, so what I want you to know is that, yeah. Is that 
It's not a defeat when we go to be with Jesus. It really is true that if you get into heaven and people on earth start praying and saying, Lord, bring them back, that you'd be yelling, be quiet. Stop. Do you not know what I'm getting and experiencing? Why would I want to come back here? You know, and, and so we know that ultimately that resurrection moment will happen. We're still going to have wise. And yet we're still going to have God. So Kathy had a lot of whys in her life. And she began to wrestle that through with God some more. Watch this. So it took about six months to find out, but we did learn that Ava's lump turned out to be something called Castleman's disease. Um, she did have surgery to have it removed, but it's completely resolved. Ella is not considered cured yet. She is about a year and a half into treatment and she has eight months left. We're still in the midst of everything. She's getting um, chemo, regular spinal taps, lots of pokes, IVs, and um, regular doctor visits. In the middle of the waiting, I realized that God is with me, whether I feel him or not. The thing is, is he is always the good guy. The result of um, a broken world is what we find ourselves in. It's okay for me to depend on him because we're supposed to need God. And so I'm grateful that he's with me and um, circumstances are not gonna dictate um, how I feel about him. I haven't lost my faith in the season. I know that um, God is with me and that he cares and that he's good. Yeah, isn't that awesome? There were times where she was angry, which you can totally understand, right? There's times she just wanted it over. Kathy just wanted it to be done and everything to be better. But uh, her and Tim bonded together more. The family got tighter. Uh, we got to watch uh, Ava uh, get baptized right out of here on the patio one night. Uh, the shock Tim was leading worship. Somebody sees some shaking heads. Tim's leading worship and turns around and there's Ava standing in the pool with me. And he's like, and he rushes over. He got to baptize her. And um, then we got to see Caleb get baptized just a little bit ago. What I'm trying to say is this is a family that's still fighting the battle, but they're getting victory after victory and win after win. They haven't got the ultimate one yet. We're still waiting for that final from the doctor saying that that, that little girl, that Ava's better all the way. But as a church family, we rally. As believers, we get close to God and don't let go. But we don't always get the total answer. But we do get God's presence. And that's what Kathy was trying to want you to know. She loves Jesus. And in the midst of the tears and the joy, in the midst of the times that were more desperate, and the times that she had greater confidence, in the midst of it all, 
She said, Jesus cares. Right now, there are some of you who need him. You need to either come back to him because something shook you or something moved you away from him, but you need to come back because he loves you and he cares about you. And you might have had a Lord if you had and thought I would have been with him more. Well, this is the time to say, you know what? Even if you don't, I am going to follow you. I am going to be close to you. So some of you need to recommit your lives to the Lord. It may be somebody in the building or on the patio or online, but you need to do it. Some of you need to understand that this is the time for you for the very first time to let Jesus truly be the one who loves you and cares for you. Not to believe in a God who's out there, but one who loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son so that if you would believe in him, you would never perish, but you would have eternal life. This is that moment. And right now, I'm praying that there'd be some of you who would say yes to the Lord. The Bible teaches there are two steps we take so that we might begin a journey with God, a life with God that's real, where his presence is true. By the way, in the midst of the time with my dad, I I knew something was real. I knew the presence of God was real. God was with me. I mean, there were so many times I sat there going, you're here now. I know it. And I want you to have that kind of relationship with the Lord. I want you to be that close to him. And so there are two steps you take, either to begin that life with God or to come back to him. And the first is to pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that we call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Uh, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone would open up to me, I would come in to be with him. Jesus said, I'm standing there. You just got to say, come in. So you got to pray a prayer where you say, Lord, come in. Come forgive me, come cleanse me, come take me. The second step is you got to make it known. So in a moment, I'm going to lead the prayer. And if you pray that prayer, the next steps, make it known. How do you make it known? Well, if you're online, I want you to text amen to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes. And please do that. Don't hold back from that. If you're here after we pray the prayer, we're going to stand to sing. And if you pray that prayer, either in the building or on the patio, I'm going to ask you to make your way to come down here and let somebody here greet you and then head in this room. By the way, just make your way to an aisle or even the center aisle and come around. But don't hold back from that. You could grab someone's hand and say, come with me. But something happens when you pray that prayer and it goes deeper and it becomes stronger And it becomes more amazing when you make that faith-oriented walk. You take those steps. Let's pray. Father, I know without a shadow of a doubt that you're real, you're true, and you love us. And I know there are lots of times in life where things aren't easy and pain is, is too real. And the wounds hurt too bad. But I also know this, that you in the midst of those moments that your presence becomes powerful. Your peace is passes understanding. Your love, Lord, carries us through. And so I pray today for some who need to have that, that broken heart healed, that they would come to you right now. I think there's somebody, they would even say that, my, my heart's been broken. And that heartbreak now needs to become something, Lord, that allows them to grow closer to you allows your love to come. So I pray they're going to pray this prayer and commit their life to you.
I pray, Lord, right now for a person who's here that, Lord, they, they've asked that why question so much. And they're even sometimes wondering why they're even in church. Because, Lord, they've been so disappointed. But, God, something's stirring in them right now. Something's beginning to change, and that's going to be amazing. So I pray they're going to pray this prayer and come. Lord, I want to pray for somebody who's been living a, a double life. And uh, they don't like the dark side, but they keep going back there. And today I pray they're going to get free. I pray they're going to pray this prayer and come. So Lord, right now, for anybody who needs to come to you for the very first time, or they need to recommit their life, I pray they're going to pray this prayer. Uh, and right now, if you love God, pray for people to say yes to him. Start praying for that. But I'm going to lead that prayer right now. And if you're ready to say yes to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus. Go ahead and just whisper them. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that'll hold me back or hold me down. Pray that again. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's going to hold me back or hold me down. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes. And if those are the only words you could say, say it. If that's all the, right now, some of you, if you haven't prayed anything, I'll say, I say yes. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours in Jesus' name. And now say it, amen. And amen means the truth. Praise God if you prayed that prayer. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people taking their next step. So what's your next step? Whether you made a decision to follow Jesus, want to get baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next steps at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your friends and family to join us right here online again next week. We're live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we could pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you want to be a part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.